enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. I'm so excited. Got Katie Ray in the podcast today. Katie is just such a wonderful person, someone who has actually, you know, and this is not really brought up in the episode, but talking about how wonderful a person she is, someone who supported me in my running for a number of years, all behind the scenes, just wonderful, nice notes from her. So appreciative. But we don't talk about me in this episode. We talk about her. And in addition to being just a delight and wonderful, wonderful person, she is somebody who kind of got to running a little bit later than a lot of people listen to this podcast, but boy, is she fast, and we learn how she did it, uh, even with two pregnancies and working full-time and all that stuff, man. This is exactly why we have this show, is this sort of thing. So there's a lot of people on this show who've had a similar type format, right, with like what I just said. You've heard me say in other intros, but what I love is that you can have a similar format, but every person's story is different, and Katie is exactly along those same lines. And I'm just so excited to bring her story to you. So let's get into it with Katie Ray. Katie Ray, welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to talk to you. As you know, I've been following your running for a while. We send messages back and forth uh, on occasion over on Instagram. You've been doing some really cool stuff. You're one fit lady who's really runs fast. However, I wanted to talk to you today because you've, you're also really good at sharing kind of where you know, your progression and where you were before as a runner and where you are now and do so in not only like an open and honest way, but you're super fun and lighthearted. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Well, I've been a longtime fan, especially since I started my Instagram account and you're probably one of the first accounts I saw and started following and then listening to your podcast. So I'm a longtime fan and glad to be on the show. And we not only that, we have the, the running in common, which is fun. You also work in higher ed. I worked in higher ed for a long time. We were talking about this before. Your road to higher ed was a little different than mine. You kind of came to it later, post-college. I kind of like never left college in a sense. <laughs> um, but how you got to higher ed was interesting because I know it's a journey that a lot of people go through in terms of their um, – kind of a professional reckoning of sorts in terms of how their job fits in with their lives, uh, dictates their lives, and kind of the steps people take uh, after that to kind of take back control and make sure they're living kind of the life that they want to live, which is always interesting. With all of that being said, uh, when I asked you to be on the show like a week or two ago, after this post that you made, which I thought was really enlightening, it got picked up, I think Inspiring Women uh, posted it or reposted it as well, and it was easy to see why and it was around kind of people are thinking about Boston Marathon right now. We had this newest batch of people who were um, let into the race and, and all of the things that uh, we saw. It was just a tough year, right? I mean, you have friends who who were kind of, you know, I'm sure were, were uh, on both sides of the of the divide. Um, it was just it was it seemed like a hard day for a lot of people. Absolutely. Um, so in the wake of that, so let's I guess I should go reference the post um, a few weeks ago. I wrote about don't count yourself out. And so it was about my journey to the Boston Marathon and why I decided to revisit the marathon in general after sort of putting it to bed. I was like, I'm done with marathoning. You know, I'm not, I'm not good at it. I, I don't think I'm ever going to do it again. And then eventually I got this itch a few years ago. And so I wrote this post uh, a couple of weeks back, just stating like why I got this itch and why babies to Boston came to be. And, um, the gist of it is, uh, I think for so long I was fearful and I counted myself out as a runner and I didn't believe that I could really get very far, especially in the marathon. And so eventually I started having this belief in myself that I could do it. And I was inspired by people around me who were able to do it too. I say this too, because obviously last week, a lot of us found out whether or not we got into Boston and many people had originally gotten into Boston and then didn't get into Boston. And it's um, such a tough blow for so many people who have been dreaming about this moment for a long time. And um, my heart goes out to everybody. But I just wanted to say, even going back to that post before we knew about Boston, like, 
keep fighting, keep believe. If this is something you want to pursue, don't give up on your dream um, and, and keep working toward your goal. Cause I think um, there's so much, there's so much more we can give of ourselves and to the sport. So for anybody who's feeling really down and low right now, I, I just want to say, I believe in you. And I think if you want to do it, you can do it. Right. And for people who aren't sure quite what we're talking about, there are certain people who were who got into the race in 2020 who then did not get into this race. So they never really had their their chance to run the race, uh, considering that the, the time that they used to originally qualify. And, you know, because there's for people who don't know this, there's always this time like, OK, the boss of qualifying time is X. However, in order to get into the race, oftentimes there can be a buffer because the supply is just more than the demand is more than the supply. So they can't let everybody in. So there's usually this this buffer over the last seven years that has ranged from 30 seconds to seven minutes and 30 seconds. And uh, you never quite know where that's going to fall or where you're going to fall within it. So you have the folks who want to get the BQ just symbolism, right? They don't necessarily they're not necessarily going to run the race. But they just want to say, hey, I reached this certain level. That's a great goal to have. Boom. And you know, other people who are like, yes, and I want to run the race. I right. want to compete there. Right. I want to be there. And I want to make sure that I can make that happen. And for those folks, it can be tough um, to be so close and not get it. And obviously this year was different because you had the people who got in the previous year who beat the standard, who were accepted, who were ready to run. Race doesn't happen. And that punch to the gut can be even more, um, you know. I'm going to miss my metaphors here, but they can be even more distasteful. Oh my gosh. It's, and it's painful. And it's just like, after the year we've all had, I think it's just like another blow. Right. And so, um, it's really hard to not feel, feel angry and despondent. And, and just, I know the New York times used the word languishing. It's definitely, um, been a, a tough year for, for a lot of folks, but it's been, you know, and other folks have really thrived in this space. And so, um, I'm trying to figure out in, in my own journey, where I'm at, am I, you know, without racing, I've kind of just, okay, what, where, where does this fit into my life and what, what makes sense for me as a runner? And now at least, you know, I have some races to look forward to in the fall, but, um, trying to, to write my own playbook in this blank space has been really interesting. So let's go back to, um, where you were kind of pre, like kind of like you were like in that middle gap between I don't want to run the marathon anymore, but now I kind of want to run the marathon anymore. And not only that, I want to get a Boston qualifying time. So take me back and set the stage for why you were at the point where you viewed the marathon as just from a running perspective, just like a bridge too far and something that you didn't necessarily <laughs> want to do anymore. Well, so I'm going to go back a little bit and we can tap into this, but um, I started running in 2011, more concern, more, you know, um, consistently. And that year I signed up for a marathon. So prior to that, I had very limited running experience. Um, but I was like, I'm going to run a marathon, even though I've only run five miles or something, you know? So, um, my first marathon experience that year in 2011 was abysmal. Um, I didn't even have the heart to look up my finishing time until like two years ago. It was just like a train wreck of a first marathon experience. Um, but, you know, I was at that time I was like, okay, one and done. But then I was like, I can't leave it like that. So I signed up for another marathon, which is like what a stupid runners do, right? We just like, let's keep doing this. Um, so I signed up for New York City the following year. And as many of us know, we um that that race was canceled like a day and a half beforehand because of um the superstorm. And you lived in that area, correct? I did. I had just moved to the city at the time. So I just like kind of went off the rails for a little bit. I, you know, was like, all right, doing runs here and there. And then I found out I got in, they were guaranteeing people entry into 2013. So I was like, okay, I got to get back on track. Um, but you know, at that time I was like, I've had a bad marathon and a canceled marathon. This is not like a good omen for marathoning. I did end up running in 2013 and I love the New York city marathon. So I did run it. it. There was no time goal. It was just to finish and not, you know, not have a terrible experience. So check done. Um, and then in 2015, I had signed up for, uh, Chicago and then, uh, had this New York moment where I got tickets to SNL, which is like through the lottery, which is if anybody knows SNL, I know a lot of native New Yorkers apply to go watch the show Saturday night live and never get in. And I got in and I was like, yay. And then I found out it was the same weekend as Chicago. <laughs> So 
it's like my marathon is are just I'm just cursed. Like I'm not supposed to run the marathon, right? Never supposed to run. So I actually deferred it. I deferred to Philly, which was like a month and a half later. In between that time, I got pregnant with our first child unexpectedly. I was not planning it. So my third marathon, I ran um, about seven weeks pregnant. And I was like, all right, that's it. That's like the nail in the coffin. I'm done with marathoning. <laughs> so did you know you were pregnant at that point? Because seven weeks, some people can be seven weeks pregnant and not necessarily know it yet. I did. It was unexpected. I was actually going through, um, I have what's called uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So at the time they were just diagnosing that. So I was like, okay, on this, my husband and I had gotten married earlier in 2015. And we we're like, we want to start a family at some point. So I was like, okay. I might need a little assistance with this. So we were going to an endocrinologist and I went and got routine blood work and they said, we're picking up on a positive pregnancy. And I was like, no way. I just finished my 20 miler this past weekend. Like I have a marathon in a couple weeks. Like, you know, I was like, there's no way this is happening. They're like, no, you're pregnant. Like, oh gosh. So it was definitely a, a judgment call I had to make. I felt like- Can I, can I throw something out there? Yeah. It seems like marathons have been in this, in this timeline have gone from bad omen, Superstorm Sandy- marathon to like now like good omen like right. sign up for a marathon then i get snl tickets sign up for another <laughs> marathon hey i'm getting i'm having a baby <laughs> which i didn't think i was necessarily going to have without medical assistance right and you all of a sudden things are going it was it was awesome i mean i the, you if anybody knows your first trimester of, preg of pregnancy it's not a pretty time so running a marathon was not you know i really had to change up the the goal the goal plan for that one and just kind of finish it but um, at that point, I think my time was like a 349 um, for that marathon. That's great. Yeah. I finally, you know, I broke four. I was like, yes, that's that's all I've ever wanted to do was just to break four. You know, so here we are. So I kind of gave up. I was just like, yep, I'm done. Marathoning's done. I'm just going to focus on running for fun and doing half marathons and 5Ks and that kind of stuff. Um, but as you said, from to, to go back to your original question, because I went down this really dark rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> um, I around 2018, I was pregnant again with my second child, and running wasn't as easy at that time. I was like really struggling. I got, I felt like I got hit with a, by a bus at that time. My pregnancy just was not as smooth as the first time around, where I was consistently running and and strength training. This time, I just was like, I'm so wiped out. I could barely do finish my like three to five mile run. Sometimes I couldn't even run because I didn't have energy or I was having pain or whatever. But the year that it, you know, sideways rained at Boston and Des won and I had a couple friends who ran it and I just like looked and I was like, you know, I want to, I want to do that. I want to be part of that. And I knew that I ran around the same pace or faster than some of these women, not to, I'm not trying to judge, but just saying like comparatively, I was like, I feel like I'm missing out. Like, I feel like I'm missing an opportunity that I could be doing just because I'm scared or I've already like, you know, wrote myself out of that story. Um, can and, I jump in there? Can yeah. I jump in there? All right. So I'm chatting a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this is great. This is great. But there's so many good stuff. So I just want to jump in before I forget. Um, when you were running through or the beginning of your second pregnancy, and things weren't necessarily progressing the way it had in your first uh, pregnancy. What was that like for you? I know a lot of people understand that every pregnancy is different. They know this like academically, but I know for a lot of people living that experience doesn't feel quite as like, you know, the logic kind of like, it gets lost in the shuffle and be like, hey, how come this is going like this? It can be frustrating. You know, it's hard not to compare. What was it like for you? Oh yeah. It was, it was scary. Cause I, you know, running, I had seen a progression. I think when you're a new runner, every, every run is like a progression. You sort of like the linear model of just getting better and better and better. And then I saw this as like, oh my gosh, that's it. I'm a mother. I'm a mother a second time around. I'm just, there's, I'm done. Like maybe my running career is over. So especially when I really slowed down pretty early in that pregnancy, I was like, Oh man, maybe, maybe I just don't have it in me anymore to keep doing this running thing competitively. Um, but I think at some point toward, toward that middle and maybe, maybe the fire because I wasn't running as much started to build this sort of feeling of missing out a little bit and wanting to be back and wanting to show that I could do it. Um, so even though I, the miles weren't happening, 
And um, I could, I really shifted to strength work and core work and all that. And, and even just walking, um, I think within me, this, this passion for running grew because I couldn't do it. And it's like, when you know, when you're injured or other things, when you can't have it, you really want it. So I think that's what happened for me um, with regard to my second pregnancy and then having, and then having her. Hey, everybody, do you want to save money on your grocery bill? Well, every plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping. Try America's Best Value Meal Kit for planning dinners today. I love every plate for a couple of different reasons. First of all, I just love having things in my kitchen, especially in my refrigerator, that isn't the same old thing that I do every single week. Also, getting things that aren't too adventurous that my kids are definitely going to eat. Obviously, you're never going to beat that a thousand with that. But with every plate, my kids have really enjoyed it. And I like the food as well. And it's just not the same stuff every single week, which can get tiring. So you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week, swap proteins and sides for things that you like. So you can switch up your dinner routine however you want. And that's the key thing. It's however you want. There's so many options, and it's all great stuff, which is also huge. For me, the difference between this and some of the other uh, services in this genre are, first of all, the price. It's absolutely fantastic. We'll get to it in a second. The kinds of meals that are provided, that they're really good, but not too adventurous, have also been a huge thing for me. And now I've been using these more often now that groceries have kind of gone up and the price for every plate has pretty much stayed the same. So try every plate today. It's $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RamblingRunner179. That stands for $1.79 per meal. So get started with every plate, like I said, for $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RamblingRunner179 today. That's up to $104 value. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I heard other podcasters who were really into performance and athletics, people like Rich Roll and Tim Ferriss, who used it all the time. And I thought, hey, man, if they're going to use it, then I should too. And I'm so glad that I did. So what's in the stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, all to help you start your day the right way. The special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery, literally all the things. I mean, there's too many things for me to list. I actually have to like take a pause during the sentence, uh, but it's, it's legit and I'm so glad that I use it. I use it basically because I know that Getting my vitamins and minerals from from foods is probably the best way to do it. But I usually just don't have the kind of diet and make the kind of food choices that's going to put myself in the optimum position. And that's why I take Athletic Greens to make sure that I have everything I need because I know I'm probably not getting it from foods because I just don't quite have the, the discipline or the food choices that I need. And Athletic Greens is there to help me out. And I'm so glad that they are. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash rambling runner. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash rambling runner to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. All right, so let's talk about the text message exchange that you had with someone who and you, you set, set the stage. It didn't seem like she was your coach, but you, you were aware of her. Um, what, what was that all about? Yeah. So we have a pretty vibrant uh, community. I live in Syracuse, New York, and we have a really vibrant running community. And so um, I messaged a fellow runner mom who is a little bit older than me. She's a race director, but had run Boston a number of times. And I just said, hi, Jen, you know, I'm watching this marathon and I'm getting really excited. And um, you know, this pregnancy is kicking my butt right now, but I would love to be at Boston in the future. And she sort of said, yes, yes, you can do it and just know that you can do it. And, um, she's a runner coach, but she said, you know, after I had my two kids, I only got faster. And when you're ready and you've recovered from your pregnancy, I'm here for you. And if you want to help train, we can do that. And just know that, um, I believe in you and I, and I know you can do it. And I was like, that, that was just enough for me. That was enough to say like, 
you know, let's go, let's, let's, let's do this pregnancy. Let's recover from this pregnancy and delivery. And then like, let's get back on the running train and, and see where we're at, you know? And I think just having somebody else be like, yeah, I did it and you can do it too was enough for me. All right. Let's talk about the recovery because just like we said, each pregnancy can be different. Pregnancy recoveries can be very different, even uh, for the same woman. Um, and there's so many people, you know, we, I, who doesn't love like a comeback story, right? So we're, <laughs> we're well aware of so many people who had a child and then came back in a positive way and were able to get back to it in some degree and in some form or fashion. But oftentimes what they had to do to get there either can be glazed over or Sometimes people just end up getting self-selected in terms of like, hey, it went really well for them or relatively easy compared to maybe some of their uh, their peers. And it definitely enabled them to maybe come back faster. So let's talk about the recovery period. Like I have a friend of mine who like she's recovered, you know, like her, her, she's healthy, her baby's healthy, but like she just can't run right now. Like just the pel- her, her pelvic floor in that area, like despite doing all the things she was supposed to do, like just hasn't come back and she's like not running. And it's been a uh, long, way longer than she expected. This is a fit person who went into her pregnancy fit and all of that. So you wouldn't expect that, but that's, it's so hard to predict these things. It's so hard and you never know. And like I said, I, my first pregnancy was pretty great and I could, I was very active right until the end. My second was touch and go and, um, you know, I was like, this might be a really tough, uh, postpartum recovery. So when I started babies to Boston, I was my account on Instagram. I was two weeks postpartum. So I was really missing out on running. You were itching to go. I was itching. And I was like, I didn't even know there was this huge running community on Instagram. So let me say that I had no idea. I was just like, I want to share my story. And, um, then I found that there were so many other people who were sharing their stories, which was awesome. But two weeks at two weeks postpartum, I had just started like walking basic, like going for stroller walks with my, my kiddos. Um, and then maybe shortly thereafter, I started doing more like a little bit of weightlifting. Um, so the first, like probably first six weeks were really just a lot of walking. And I documented that, like, what is it like to walk (laughs) miles a day? And what is it like to make sure you're drinking and eating enough? Um, and then I got approval to run it six weeks postpartum. Um, I would, I want to caveat that too, because just because you get approval to do some of these things, I think you really have to know your body and what you were up for. And at the time I could tell that I was ready. I was ready. I felt pretty good. Um, I do regret not seeing a, a, a physical therapist for some things. So I will say that I wish maybe that had been part of my recovery sooner. Um, but in general, I felt pretty good. And when I got to that run around six weeks postpartum, um, it burned. Everything sucked. (laughs) I don't know anybody who's had like that first run that felt like amazing. Like your, your lungs burn, your legs burn, everything burns. But eventually it started to click pretty, pretty quickly. Like I felt like I was, uh, running pretty well. In fact, I was stupid enough to sign up for a race, like seven weeks postpartum and, and won it. Wait, wait, you you signed up for the race (laughs) or you competed? I competed and I won it. Oh my God. So it was like, I, it was so stupid. And I don't remember, I, I say it's stupid because it was like, who does that? Right. Like I had no, I don't know what I was doing. I think it was just so much not sleeping, adrenaline, cortisol running through my body. But, but at least that was sort of like, okay, maybe this postpartum journey isn't going to be so tough after all. Like maybe, maybe all the strength work I did during pregnancy and some of the things I was doing and maybe the downtime really did help me. Um, so I would say, you know, each postpartum as you experience, as you said, is so different. Um, but you gotta, I, I listened to my body, um, and just made sure I wasn't trying not to overdo it. And the other thing I have to say about that too, was around the 12 week postpartum mark is when I got a coach and she was sort of like, okay, yes, you're doing great. You've done a couple races and done really well. Uh, maybe we should tone it down a little bit. <laughs> and I'm forever grateful to her for saying like, you're probably right that if I keep on this path, I could be, you know, uh, riding a fine line to injury or burnout or other things. So I really was appreciative that when I hired my coach finally at 12, when I was 12 weeks postpartum, that we really just like looked at getting back to basics, like base running. I didn't even know what easy miles were. That was not in my vocabulary. Like I had no idea about easy miles versus tempo miles versus 
you know, law, you know, all these things of running jargon. I had no idea. I always just like went out for a run and ran whatever pace I felt like. So this introducing, introducing me to this world of like, how do you run was very new to me, even though I had been running for many years at that point or a few years at that point. Now you seem like a very driven person. Has that always been the case? Oh yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us in this community probably are. Um, but yeah, I think I've always somebody who's focused on high achieving, not a perfectionist, but a high achiever. Um, and maybe this resonates with you too, Matt, because I think I've, you know, on your, your Mastering 40 podcast, I've heard this, but you know, I was always, I've always been an athlete. I've always played team sports. Um, so I think just knowing and and it came naturally to me. Um, so, you know, that part of my life has always been something I work toward. And so when you don't play for a team sport, you're sort of missing that competitive edge or goal that you're working toward. And so I think running filled that space, but I will say that unlike sports that came naturally to me, running did not. (laughs) All right. Well, let's talk, let's talk about that because for a driven person, when something doesn't come naturally, um, they can be easy to disregard it, maybe move on to the next thing because you've had a certain amount of success, right? So like, this is great. So let's, let's talk about like the driven nature of Katie Ray. So we got here at Lemoyne College, 2007 commencement speaker, summa cum laude, presidential scholar, Alpha Sigma Nu, Jesuit Honor Society, Sai Chi, Sai Chai, um, Psychology Honor Society, Communications Club President, Copy Editor and Advertising Manager for the Dolphin, Writer for the Black and Rove, Lemoyne College Tour Guide, Member of Lemoyne College Women's Rugby Team, Writing Tutor in the Academic Support Center, Intern at Lemoyne College Archives, uh, Orientation Committee, Gaelic Society Member, English Club member, it doesn't seem like you're ever not doing something. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, and with all of that being said, when you picked up a sp- the sport of running and you weren't a natural fit, yet you are constantly in motion and obviously have succeeded at a lot of things. And you've done very well in your professional life as well. Why stick with running? What What, what led you back to it after some near misses and some frustration and all of that? That's a great question. So I, I don't, I'll say this too, because I think I'm a type of person who, if I'm not going to be good at something, I just, I just cut myself out of it. Right. I stack the deck. So I'm not going to like pursue something that I'm not good at. And so, you know, if I, it's funny because running wasn't one of those things. I have no idea why I chose to like stick with something because it very well could have been like, this is not for me. It hurts. It stinks. I can't run. I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> but there was a lot of about it that felt good, even in the early days. Um, at the time I got into it more seriously, I was uh, going through that sort of quarter life crisis a little bit. And so running gave me the opportunity to just get, get out of my head and into my body. And I think it still does that. I think it's really helped me during the pandemic. I think it helped me postpartum. I think it's helping in different types of my life where I can just like think about everything and nothing on a run. Um, and so those early days weren't focused on a time goal. They were just focused on time on my feet and time meeting people um, you know, I found my run club at that time. I, I started learning about, uh, you know, appreciating my body and how to run for my, you know, what to fuel my body with and other things like that. Um, it's only in recent years that sort of this competitive sort of idea of it has come into play. So I'm very lucky that maybe, maybe I wasn't so good at it because I could sort of build this love of the run first and then add in the element of like, okay, now we're going to chase down some goals here. Um, and I think that's really made a difference for me. And maybe I'm lucky that I did kind of suck in the beginning because, um, because if I had been good, maybe I would have like not, not chased, chased it down so hard, not gone for it so much, not pursued it as, as well as I have. I don't know if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, hitting your, um, I was say hitting your stride as well. God, I can't. I just can't. I can't, I can't go there. Um, you know, kind of hitting a new level as a runner uh, after having kids is something that a lot of people aspire to, but making it happen 
um, oftentimes is a completely different matter. Um, you know, you work full time in addition to having kids, uh, which makes it even harder. Um, not to say people who don't work, um, who are stay at home, like they have it easy, especially during a pandemic, Lord knows. Um, but you don't have from a, uh, scheduling perspective, you don't have a lot of choices when to get your runs in. And a lot of people feel that as well, man. That's for sure. So you're at this point now where you're dropping like 10 mile Tuesdays all the time and you're building up and you're running really well and you've built up this, you know, success after success. Um, what's that like? What's that been for you in terms of building those habits to allow yourself to have that kind of success, especially when You've had, you know, jobs that required a lot of you and also required, you know, you to balance things with your home life. Yeah. So let me, I think it comes back to what you were talking about, that postpartum build. Um, I, I really only have before work to run, um, unless I'm very lucky and I have a free night somewhere, which it isn't often. So if I don't get my run in in the morning or my workout in the morning, it's probably not going to happen. And that's not a large window of time. So what I think I, I want to mention here too is my, my first mar- my first marathon's postpartum, second postpartum when I was really trying to qualify for Boston, I was not running a ton of mileage. I was running four days a week, um, usually 30, 30-ish miles, and maybe peaking at, I think I peaked at 43 that first marathon, 43 miles. So for me as a newish mom, second time around, I think keeping my, 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 family time as sacred and keeping my running time as sacred was also something that I worked with my coach to make sure that we did. And so I didn't want running to like take over my life, even though it was really important to me at that time as sort of an identity thing, just like I am somebody who I am this person outside of being a mother and being a a colleague and being a wife. Um, So I just wanted to say like we, you know, my mileage tends to be on the lower side um, compared to a lot of different marathon runners. And I think that's worked for me. Um, that's helped me to like manage it while still getting enough sleep or trying to get enough sleep, um, stave off injuries, um, you know, uh, keep my wits about me a little bit. And, um, you know, now that I'm about two and a half years postpartum, my, my young, youngest is two and a half. Um, now I'm starting to build up the, the more consistent mileage. So, you know, those first marathon cycles in 2019 were, like I said, 30 to 40 mile range. Now I'm consistently running in the forties. So when I start to ramp up for Boston this, this fall, you know, maybe we'll look to see if I can get into the fifties more consistently or, or even up to 60 miles. I don't know. I'm not, I don't not sure if I'm there yet, but I think my approach has been really conservative, but really consistent. Um, and also just focusing on the little things, the strength work, going to a chiropractor, going to a massage, <laughs> you know, the little things here and there, just so um, I'm making sure that no stone is left unturned, I suppose. I don't know if I answered your question there. Absolutely. So how do you make the strength work work? Yeah. So if this helps anybody who's returning postpartum, I'll, my schedule, those early months and even now is pretty consistent. So um, I do at least two to three strength training sessions a week. Um, usually Monday was like a leg workout day. Tuesday would be running. Um, now it's become 10 on Tuesdays, but, uh, Wednesday's an easy day. Thursday is like a speed workout day. Friday's another strength training day. Saturday's a long run and Sunday's a rest day. And that's typically been my schedule almost the last two years of fitting in strength work at least two to three days somewhere in there. Now, do you do it at home or do you do it somewhere else? How's it, how, how does like, how does location work for you? Because oftentimes like where you do, it can also add to the, just the time constraints that people have. Oh yeah. A lot of it's done at home. Um, you know, I, I sort of built up my little mini home gym here, which was a blessing during the pandemic. Um, I do have a, a gym membership to a planet fitness locally. So sometimes at least once a week, I tried now that, I'm vaccinated. I try to get to the gym and do a little bit heavier lifting if I can. Um, but yeah, I think there's so much you can just for any, for any parent out there, or any person who's time limited, there's so much you can just do with your own body weight or, you know, cl- little streaming classes you can find online. It's amazing what, what's there that can help you as a runner. 
So what were some of the biggest challenges that you overcame? Because we'll talk about this in a second. You went from one of those rare positions where you turned your 5K pace into your marathon pace. And it wasn't like your 5K pace was like, hey, I I just walked my first 5K and now I've watched my first marathon. Again, nothing against walking either of those distances, but you... You know, you, you trained for it, you ran a 5K, you ran it like, you know, an 811 pace or 820 pace, and all of a sudden you're running comfortably at marathon pace at 730 without like it really dominating you um, and being able to just kind of like, you know, ease it in. That's a remarkable progression. And you've, we've talked a lot about what you were able to do to turn, to make that a reality. What were, if there were any kind of stumbles along the way or things that um, you had to get through in order to reach those next levels? Oh, absolutely. I don't think at this at this stage in the game um, that anything is going to be linear. I've had, uh, you know, times where I've had to reassess what's working, what's not. Um, I've had a lot. Of, I've had races that I've completely bombed. So not every race has been like this stellar performance. I've had like my share of medical tent trips and things that have just gone. What's your what's your what's your best story? <laughs> For like for the for the for the bombed race. Oh my god! Uh, I mean, probably the first marathon is the best. But do you want me to tell that one? Because that's a oh please <laughs> for anybody who wants to feel better about themselves. Um, so my first marathon, I like did all the wrong things. I mean, I think I got up to the mileage, but I was not following a, a, a formal plan. I probably didn't taper great. Probably didn't eat great. I think I walked. I did Philadelphia, so I probably did a walking tour, walking at least ten miles the day before. Um, overdressed, underhydrated. So around mile 21 is when I started doing the, the walk run. And by mile 24, I was like kind of dizzy going sideways. And I think about mile 25 is when I found somebody and was like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not doing so good. Um, cramping like crazy. They got me to the ambulance and gave me gummy bears and, you know, Gatorade. So I sat in this ambulance for, I don't know how long. And then they drove me back to like mile 23 or something. And we're like, in this medical tent assessing me. And all the while I had told everybody I was running this marathon. So I was like, oh my God, I can't not finish my first marathon. Everybody knows I'm out here running it. So probably after an hour of sitting in the med tent, I was like, can you bring me back to mile 25 so I can finish this race? And they're like, absolutely not lady. Like you're nuts. (laughs) And I was like, all right, well, I'll see ya. (laughs) <laughs> and I hopped back in and finished the race. So I ended up running like a 29-mile marathon. Oh, my Like God. dizzy, kind of like <laughs> sideways. The pictures of that day are just so funny that I just, I can't even talk. It's just so funny. I, I'll show you some pictures. I, I do not look, I do not look well. <laughs> That's great. I had a similar first marathon experience. I was all over the place. It was funny. It's like I had family at the finish line. So like my wife was there. Um... And I don't, I, don't think she, I don't think she was my wife at that point, though. Um, I'm trying to remember the date of the marathon. I, obviously, I know the, the year I got married. I think it was. You know, I think she was my girlfriend at the time. My mom was there. Anyway, um, my mom was like had like the utmost confidence to me as an athlete. It was like had like these. No matter what I said pre-race, like she thought, like I would be like you know one of the first people across the line, or Lord knows. <laughs> um, so like. We're creeping in. We've now crossed the four hour mark. And she's like, he's been hit by a car. He is, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a boy. I'm a man at this point. Like my mom is sitting there like having like this nervous breakdown at the finish line. (laughs) You know, people are coming across. I am like stuck on like the on-ramp onto Route 84 in Hartford, like climbing up the on-ramp being like, what if I fall off the on-ramp? Like, of course, like my mental acuity is gone. Oh I have like God, no reasoning skills feeling. whatsoever. And I'm like really like a mile, mile and a half away from the finish line. It took me like half an hour to get there. <laughs> it's so hard when you're out of it like that or you're just not, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So I finally crossed. My mom was like, I thought you were dead. I didn't know. Like, not like literally, like by homicide or something. But like, you know, like where we thought, did you, I think she probably thought I was going to cross in like 305. Like, again, <laughs> no matter, that was not what I had told anybody. But, you know, we all have those moments. <laughs> well, I should say that too. I think a lot of my friends had come into town and they were like, well, you were on track to be out like a four hour, you know, you know, four hour pace or something like that. And so they all went to the bar. They just assumed that like I didn't like the chip time didn't update or something. I was like, no, I was I was with medical personnel. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my. All right, so let's talk about um, where you are now because you know we we 
see how far you've come. You're doing amazing things. You're you're just really, really, you're a really good runner at this point. And we see the progression. It doesn't seem like you've been doing it for all that long. So where are you going with this? Because it seems like this is just kind of like the beginning in a sense, even though for many people, they'd be like, hey, I've had two kids and so on and so forth. Like maybe like I'm not going to be at my peak for much longer. When I talk to you and I read the things that you write, it, I don't get that sense from you in any way, shape, or form. It feels like, hey, we're just we're just getting started with this sucker. So where where do you see this going? What are some of the things that you hope to accomplish? Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. So I I feel the blessing of Instagram in this community is seeing so many badass runners and and especially women over forty, like these mass, you know, these people, these masters runners who are just crushing it. And I don't want to name drop, but I'm going to. So, I, you know, I see like Karen Howell, who I, I've met and Susan Loken, who I've had the opportunity to meet and all these amazing Shawana White, all these amazing women. And, uh, you know, I can continue all day of just these women who just inspire me daily to say like, all of them have been on the show, by the way, if you want to learn more about any of those people, you can go back. I just... Not the Shawana White episode. That was episode one. That one really stunk because of me. <laughs> but besides that, the other ones were really good. So just these amazing people who are like, you're showing me that it's not over yet. And I, I have so much more to give. And I really feel like I'm just figuring out this running thing. Now it's been almost 10 years since I started, you know, seriously thinking about getting into running. And, um, I think I'm just kind of scratching the surface of what I can do. Um, so, you know, I didn't even run with a watch until about two years ago. <laughs> and so just to like, you know, okay, now I have some data behind it and I can see that I'm making progress here or getting faster here. Where do I want to go? I, you know, I tend to be a, a runner who maybe lives a little bit in the moment. Um, I don't have like these big audacious goals, but I do think I can, I think I could break three sometime by the time I'm 40. And I think I can, shave time off my half marathon and get down to the low one twenties or even lower at some point, if I continue to work, um, you know, I finally just broke 19 in the 5k. So I'd like to see that now, uh, uh, you know, somebody might say like, you should really just focus on one distance. But I think for me, I, I like running and I like challenging myself in different ways. So, um, you know, I think I'll continue to run all different sorts of races and not just focus on say the marathon or the half marathon, but continue to run all distances. Cause it's just fun. I like, I love meeting people that way. So those are my goals are just to keep getting better until I can't anymore. Uh, with regard to 10 on Tuesdays, I get that question of like, how long are you going to do this? And I, the question, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to stop is really where I'm at with that one. So. Let's talk about the professional side. So you worked at, you were in New York City. You worked there for a while, a couple of different, couple of different companies. And that can be a, um, an all encompassing challenge. So when you were at the point where you, um, didn't want, or see, you wanted to make a career change. You didn't want to necessarily work there. You, you work at Lemoyne now and that was your alma mater. What was that process for you like trying to figure out what was best for you? What, what were the, the steps that you took once you started to come to realizations, because we're at a point now where the job market has changed so much in the last year and a half for so many people. Um, not even say it's positive or negative. It's just, it's changing and people are potentially in a situation where this is not necessarily running related, but they can, they can change careers or professions or make pivots in their careers um, in a way that maybe they even four years ago, they didn't necessarily see as possible. You did that. And I'd love to hear more about that because I think for a lot of people that can be pretty relevant. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. And I think it comes back to that high achieving or expectations going out of coming out of college. You know, I had a job the day after I graduated, started working very first thing. So I've been working, 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 moving up like I was thought I should. Right. I thought I should climb this corporate ladder. I thought I should be here, be at this level by a certain time in my life. And by the time I got there, I started just not, I didn't love it. I didn't love all the trappings that came with it. And there's nothing wrong with, I don't want to speak ill of corporate life. There's a lot of great things about it. But for me, it just started to feel like a grind and not one that I wanted to be part of or not that I was getting fulfillment out of. Um, so around that time, it was just, you know, I think there were a few things going well in my life and running was one of them. And my my relationship with my spouse was one of them, all these things. And, but, but my career was, was not something that I loved. And, um, so to, the opportunity to go 
to higher education and nonprofit was something I welcomed because for me, it was about feeling like I could walk into my job and enjoy it every day. I feel passionate about the work I do. I feel great about the people I work with and who I'm, what I'm doing and who I'm doing it for. Um, and I think that ties into running a lot too. Um, first of all, it's a, a job now that offers me a lot of flexibility and, and things I can do. And especially now that I'm working from home, I have a little more time, um, to do running. I think also it just reminds me like, you know, if I didn't love something, I don't know if I want to be doing it. And I love, I love my job and something you do every day, day in and day out, you should have a feel. I hope you have a feeling of enjoyment or appreciation or something that you're gaining from it. Um, and I, I think that's why I'm glad I switched jobs. It's probably also why I stick with running too, because it's gives me something that I enjoy. And I don't think I would stick with it if it didn't, I don't think it would, I would stick with something if it didn't bring me some sort of satisfaction. So I know that was a little kind of roundabout way of tying and running with my career, but I think for me, uh, they do go hand in hand in a lot of ways of just knowing who I am as a person and knowing what I want out of life and being able to marry all the things in my life so that it fits. Yeah. I mean, shoot, if, if you don't like your hobbies, you should find a new hobby, <laughs> yeah, right? There are right. a lot of hobbies out there. And obviously running is more than just a hobby, right? It can be, it lead to better health and all of those things, but so can a lot of things, right? I mean, you can just, you can walk your dog twice a day and eat well, and you're going to be your fitness one, fitness wise, you're going to be fine. Right. Um, so you don't necessarily have to do those things. I say this to my runners all the time for like, if you, if you don't, really enjoy this well then let's tinker we can try this we can try this but we don't we don't you know we can we can change our seat on the bus we don't have to hop off the bus just yet um but if even if you do that's not the worst thing in the world either again if you don't enjoy your hobbies and you don't enjoy your job you're probably not going to enjoy life in general <laughs> no and i'm just a happier person because of that I'm not, I'm not complaining that i hate my job or my running sucks or anything like that i'm just like I, and like things are going well. And I, I just, maybe that's a note of, you know, changing, shifting your expectations sometimes can be all the difference if it's your career or your family or your, your hobby. I mean, even with running, I've had to keep myself in check too. Like there's times when I have horrible race anxiety or running anxiety. And I've had to be like, all right, lady, like you need to, <laughs> you need to keep this in, in mind and like keep it in check. Cause it's not, if it's not fun anymore, if it's becoming overwhelming, it's, you've got to really shift focus a little bit. All right. So rest of 2021, you mentioned you're vaccinated. Races are coming back, especially in the fall, uh, all over and, and in a variety of other places, even right now, like I'm in Rhode Island and you know, we did the Providence marathon last week. So there, we have things going on all the time. What does your calendar look like from a race perspective? For the first time in many years, I only have, I have one marathon now in the fall. Um, you know, I'm sure we have a, like I said, we have a really active running community here in Syracuse and in the Northeast. So I wouldn't be surprised if I end up signing up for a few different things. But right now uh, I'm going to start ramping up here for um, Boston and that's about it. And then I'll see what happens. You know, I'm, I'm excited for the prospect of racing again. So do you think you'll do, if you um... Do you think you'll do Boston in the fall and the spring? I know some people are wondering about that. Uh, for a former former guy in your area who just recently left, I saw him post this in the Boston Buddies Facebook group. Patrick Cutter uh, put this question I out there. I just saw him last uh, weekend. Hey, there you go. Um, <laughs> he put it out there, like, how many people will do it? And I think a lot of people took the, especially in that Facebook group, obviously they're very Boston-centric. It's literally the point of the group. We're kind of like, hey, if there's ever a Boston Marathon, I want to be in it. But you know, that's also six months apart. And, you know, once you choose a marathon, it's not like you necessarily run a different marathon a week later. And sometimes, you know, by choosing one, you're not choosing others. So where do you fall on that? Yeah, I, I think I'm open to it. This will be my first Boston in Boston. Um, you know, and I know it's not quite the race experience that it probably has been in the past. So eventually I'd like to do it in on Patriots Day when it's all you know, pomp and circumstance. Um, so I would not be opposed to doing it in 2022 if I can get in. I'm, um, I am excited about that, you know, but for me too, I've, I've sometimes, I don't think every race has to be your best, your best race. Like I love to sign up for races that are just, just for fun or just to meet up with a friend or something. So 
you know, if I decide to do Boston again in the, the spring, it might be for fun. And then I'll pick another marathon that's more of like, okay, we're going to race this one and see what we can do. Yeah, that's a great point. So yeah, I'm keeping my options open a little bit. I think that helps me just to work on the anxiety and work on my, you know, my game a little bit. I love it. Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of this with us. Thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate it. Katie, thank you so much for hopping on the show. So appreciative. Uh, as you also heard in the mid-roll, if you're looking for a coach, I, I'm out there. I cannot wait to work with you to help you to achieve your goals, not only in the short term, if you're looking at a fall marathon, but in the long term. What are you trying to achieve in the next three to five years? Now, having a coach can really be so useful, not only in terms of you know learning you know how to train. That is certainly the, the first thing that people think of, and it can be a, certainly a very valuable thing as well. Uh, but in addition to that, there's other factors, right? For me, I've always wanted a coach and have had a coach now for 15 years or so. Uh, because it, for me, it's accountability, right? Knowing that someone's going to be following my training and the, that they're going to be looking at it and just having them there kind of gets me out the door. It's one of those accountability mechanisms for me that has worked so well. Other people, they know what to do, right? There's a lot of coaches who have coaches and because they just don't want to just sit there and you know think about their training all day. They want to offload that part and say, all right, this other person is going to handle that. Okay, I'm not going to worry about that all day. I want the schedule to be set up so that when I wake up, I know exactly what I'm doing and I don't have to overthink it. That can also be certainly very valuable as well. So next week, I'm going to start a new thing. So next Friday, uh, I'm going to start uh, listing anonymously, but uh, some of the big wins that we're getting in our private Facebook group over at the Rambling Runner Community Corner, which is a really fun thing. So every Monday, what we're doing now is people are sharing uh, a small win that they got last week and then what they hope to get this week. Usually they're about running. They don't have to be. They don't have to be big ones. Little, little things. Uh can really also be so valuable and things that we want to support each other and share with each other because you stack those little wins week after week after week after week and something big can happen at the end of it. So I'm really excited to share that first show. I do want to give one shout out though. Mike Carroll is running a marathon this weekend. Mike is someone who I've known since I was, I think, 13 years old uh, over in Barrington, Rhode Island. He went to uh, kind of the neighboring town high school awesome guy and actually a really good high school football player and basketball player. I can still remember him catching passes against our team, uh, a rival team. And uh, he was really, really good. He has a big marathon coming up this weekend. Mike, if you are listening to this, I hope it went very, very well for you. And to everyone else out there, if you're running in training, I hope your weekends are also going well. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.